Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News 111. It is Friday, 21st of October, coming up on today's show. It's going to be basically what I tried to squeeze all into last week's show and messed up horribly and overran. Well, it didn't overrun, I planned to do a longer show than usual. But coming up, it's going to be the reaction to what happened with PayPal. And um, if you don't know about that, they wanted to... Uh, find people for misinformation and then they came out and said it was all a mistake and that kind of stuff so who knows what really happened but there we're going to have a uh, take on that the big big news was a european mp uh, i believe his name is rob ruse mep questioned pfizer and got them to admit something really interesting and then there was a we're going to play another video of him actually asking the questions, the video he made afterwards, and videos that came out afterwards from various other MEPs that were reacting to what he had to say. Also, Ron Paul talking about Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democrat Party. That and much, much more coming up on today's Beyond the News. Oh, and don't forget, there's an article as well, which they've created a really in a lab uh, an 80% killer virus as well. So that all that coming up on today's day show. So let's get into the main news of last week. And this is MEP Rob Ruse asking Pfizer uh, questions about their vaccine. So let's have a listen to what they have to say. I own no copyright on any of the clips that I'll be playing here today. They're all open sourced. I own no copyright on any of them and if anybody would like the footage taken down email me at beyondthenews at protomo.com and I'll do it for you without question. That goes for any of the clips on today's show. So here's Rob Ruse. The Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. You need to defend your civilization. Oh, I forgot there was uh, some adverts there. Hold on one second. I actually think that's all we need from that particular clip because Rob Ruse then goes on to explain uh, what that really means in the wider context. Um, and I couldn't do a better job myself, really. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. 
Voor u, mevrouw Small, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. So that's what I'm doing, uh, Mr. Rob Ruse. And uh, fellow MEPs, I think her name is Christine, and I've forgotten the surname, I do apologize. They then held a, uh, a conference, it looks like, uh, a few days later, and this is what she said. unfolding after the committee session of last Monday when our colleague who I hope will still be able to join us this morning uh, asked Pfizer a question and the answer <clears throat> was really what uh, made the news. Um, put in a nutshell the cat is out of the bag. It was a gigantic lie what they told us that uh, these vac vaccines would uh, prevent you catching this virus or would prevent transmission. Well, none of that was true, as it turns out. And based on that lie, uh, all of the mandates, all of the lockdowns, all of the non-pharmaceutical measures as wearing masks, staying at home, curfews, all of that was based on that gigantic lie. And yet, they will not acknowledge it. No, they just go ahead with whatever they want to do with us. I would like to point out a couple of things um, from the EU Commission's action plan, uh, EU response to COVID-19 preparing for autumn winter 2023. As you might have guessed, the focus of course is still on these hazardous mRNA injections. Well, that's not surprising here. Um, they would like to implement and coordinate effective communication initiatives and strategies to promote uptake of additional injections and complete the primary series of those who have not even begun yet, the unvaccinated. So once again, a particular group of a population is being targeted and um, yeah, well, that's what they're trying to do. Um, they would like to increase vaccine confidence by debunking mis- and disinformation. Well, who is spreading the mis- and the disinformation? It is EU Commission, it is the pharmaceutical companies, it is governments, especially in the Western democracies. They are the ones spreading the mis- and the disinformation. They are the ones telling people lies. For what? So their pharmaceutical companies make profits and profits and profits. And the risks, well, guess what? 
you, the taxpayers, you will be left with the, the risks. Um, and then, of course, they want to target, and that's, they specifically say that, target hard-to-reach population groups. Well, I guess in that instance, they are actually talking about me. Yes, I am a hard-to-target, a hard-to-reach uh, population group because I saw through their lies from the get-go. I'm still unvaccinated, and I will remain unvaccinated. I will not inject a poisonous substance into my body, point blank. So go ahead and try to target me. Good luck with that. Then, of course, they go on with uh, the gaslighting, labeling vaccine hesitancy, this is what they call it, as anti-Western and anti-EU. Can you believe this? So anyone who is not willing to let themselves be injected with this vaccine is anti-Western and anti-EU. No, ladies and gentlemen, let's be clear about this. If you do not want to poison your body, and it is your choice to do with your body whatever you please. Remember, my body, my choice? That's their narrative, actually. Remember that. So if you do not want to take that vaccine, that has nothing to do with being anti-Western or anti-EU. It is pro-people. That's what it is. And it is anti-globalist elites. That's what it is. And in this action plan, they refer several times to not only COVID-19, but now they slip in influenza. So this will be the next step uh, for their measures, whether it be uh, vaccinations or non-pharmaceutical interventions uh, like uh, wearing masks or staying at home curfews, then they will be able to do so when there is an influenza pandemic or wave. And whenever I think they could not possibly come up with yet another atrocity to inflict on people, they sure as heck prove me wrong. The EU Commission proposes now the prioritized administration of the update injection for the vulnerable groups, and then they list who these vulnerable groups are. And they start by saying people aged 60 years and older, individuals with underlying conditions. No problem there. But then they list another group. And you really need to brace yourselves for that one. The vulnerable group among those who should be given priority to take this update vaccine are pregnant women. I have never heard anything more despicable than that. Because the point is this, they do not know what this vaccine does to the unborn child. They simply have no clue. And yet, now they're pushing it on pregnant people. And keep in mind, there has been a drop in birth rate. We don't know why that happened. You would expect the opposite of that. I mean, people were locked down. Remember what happened when they had a blackout in New York in the 70s? Nine months later, there were like babies left and right. But not this time. People were locked up for months in their homes. Nothing. Drop in birth rate? Interesting question. And these are the questions that we should be asking.
So just to give you an update on that, they will continue to try. They will continue to push whatever uh, their end goal is. They are trying to. And um, yeah, I would just like to thank you for supporting us and for letting us know that we indeed are advocating and fighting for what you, the people, want. These globalists and their puppets are but a few people with no regard for you, for the people. We, on the other hand, are many because we are the people. And we will continue to fight for you, for your rights, for freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. Thank you very much. So that was Christine Anderson. She's a member of the European Parliament uh, and she's from the party Alternative for Germany. Um, we've had a um, we've had a vacancy here in Britain for our Prime Minister. I do wonder if Christine Anderson is available because uh, she said there's everything that I listen to there I agree with and I think if you go and do the research, I think is factual information. But it was powerful to hear her refer to a, a group of globalist elites, isn't it? It's not just people with tinfoil hats on a corner of the internet now referring to this. And I think COVID changed that in quite a way. And a lot of prominent people have now come out and started speaking about that. So very interesting there. A little trip down memory lane here. This is from the Farnham Herald uh, by Daniel Gee, Head of Content, Tuesday the 1st of February 2022. Uh, now that he is back in the Cabinet, I just wanted to remind people about MP Jeremy Hunt. Headline reads, MP Jeremy Hunt hits out at government's NHS vaccine U-turn with cases still rising in Surrey and Hampshire. And now bearing in mind what uh, Pfizer they came out and admitted, and uh, with regards to transmission, bear that in mind when we read this story. Southwest Surrey MP Jeremy Hunt has criticised the government's U-turn after Health Secretary Savid Javid scrapped mandatory COVID jabs for healthcare workers. On Monday, Mr Javid announced to the House of Commons plans to ditch the legal requirement for NHS staff and social workers in England to be vaccinated against the virus. The deadline of April the 1st has now been removed. So... Moving on now, former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard declares US has turned Ukraine conflict into a proxy war. This is by um, news.com.au and it's by Alex Blair on October the 12th. A former military boss and congresswoman has gone for the juggler against the US government, accusing officials of exploiting Ukraine to hit Vladimir Putin. Gabbard, who last night announced her resignation from the Democratic Party in an explosive video, previously served as lieutenant colonel for the US Army throughout the Iraq War. She claimed US politicians on both sides of the bench have been swayed by the interests of arms manufacturers, accusing some representatives of having cosy relationships with those benefiting from producing weapons for international conflicts. The US has so far pledged more than $13.5 billion dollars in a military aid to Ukraine since Putin's February invasion and will continue to provide unwavering economic, humanitarian and security assistance, according to President Joe Biden. 
and I'm going to be hoping to play a clip of what she said via the Ron Paul Liberty Report later on. Now moving on to the Express by Diana Buntajova, Tuesday, October the 11th. Covid booster crisis as elderly are refusing the jab amid soaring cases in the UK. Millions of eligible Britons haven't had their booster, according to official estimates. Experts are warning that the winter could see soaring infections of both Covid and flu. Dubbed as the twindemic, the two viruses could put even more strain on the National Health Service, while the Covid jab is one of the main weapons against the virus. Many elderly people are refusing it. How is it one of the main weapons if it doesn't stop transmission and it doesn't stop you getting it? Worryingly, current soaring cases seem to be targeting mainly elderly Britons, according to the Office for National Statistics. The ONS found that the recent Covid outbreak is being driven by those over 70 years of age, with many missing their autumn booster. This is a stark contrast compared to previous waves, which started by targeting younger younger demographics. Well, let's hope it's not this one coming up. This is for Monday the 17th of October from the Metro. Scientists develop new lethal Covid strain that killed 80% of mice infected. That sounds like a wonderful idea. American researchers have developed a new lethal Covid strain in a laboratory, echoing experiments that many fear started the pandemic. The mutant variant, which is a hybrid of Omicron and the original Wuhan virus, killed 80% of mice infected with it at Boston University. When a similar group of rodents were exposed to the standard Omicron strain, however, they all survived and only experienced mild symptoms. The scientists also infected human cells with the hybrid variant and found it was five times more infectious than Omicron. I'm no expert, but isn't... I, I remember, is it Professor Boyle saying, and he would know because he wrote some of the laws on this for the UN, I believe, but go and check it out, I'm going from memory here, that he said such things are illegal. So that's interesting that they've come out and said that but again who am i i'm just going from memory in the new research a team of scientists from boston and florida extracted omicron spike protein the unique structure that binds to and invades human cells they attached omicron spike to the original wild type strain that first emerged in wuhan at the start of the pandemic Writing in the paper, they said in mice, while Omicron causes mild non-fatal infection, the Omicron S-carrying virus inflicts severe disease with a mortality rate of 80%. The researchers said that it signalled that while the spike protein is responsible for infectivity, changes to other parts of its structure determine its deadliness. The scientists also looked at different strains' effect on human lung cells that were grown in the lab. I suppose they could say we were just experimenting and didn't know it was going to do that, and so we did little did not deliberately set out to create this virus. I suppose that could be something that could get them away from the uh, the laws that Francis Ball, I believe, going from memory referred to. Now, something pretty different. We are now going to... It's called Valuetainment and it's like a mainstream 
podcast on YouTube. Very popular one. They have on a lot of high-profile guests. Now, they have had on some conspiracy types. I think they've had David Icke and Alex Jones on in the past, but certainly not for my uh, experience of watching what they put out. It's certainly not a conspiracy show. They will occasionally have a small proportion of it to, you know, they have a wide variety of people on there and occasionally have a couple of conspiracy types on there but by and large not a conspiracy type show and this is them talking about the paypal incident and it is from october the 11th that's right page seven so paypal um comes out a couple days ago and uh, uh this is a story paypal user agreement agreement fining users up to twenty five hundred dollars for promoting misinformation was sent in error sparks says the updated PayPal acceptable use policy effective November 3rd included an expansion of prohibited activities, which includes the ending, posting, or publication of messages, content, or materials that meet certain criteria. According to the updated PayPal user agreement, the company states that each violation could result in liquidated damages of $2,500 per violation, which would be withdrawn directly from their account. However, when contacted by Fox Business, a PayPal spokesperson said that the acceptable use policy notice went out in error and that the company will not find users the information, which, by the way, here's what I want you to do because of what was said yesterday. Go. So, so if we can get well, the camera on to look, show this. Look, this is why she thinks it's fake because Google is real-time editing the search engine results. Yeah. Results. This is why you don't use Google. This is straight-up propaganda. Don't explain to me what you mean by this, though. Explain <laughs> to me what you mean by this. So this, they did this first with uh, Robert Malone and the theory he had about um, – Oh, son of a guy. Can't get the Taking the, like, the uh, mass formation yeah. psychosis. Yeah. yeah. It was when they first started doing this. What this says is they are editing the search results real time. It looks like the results below are changing quickly. If the topic is new, quote unquote, it can take time for reliable sources <laughs> to publish information. Check the source. Are they a trusted topic? Come back later. Other sources might have more information yeah, in a few it. hours. Or but day. by the way, let's go to Snopes. Click on Snopes because uh, you got to see what Snopes says. So zoom in a little bit so everybody can see it. So the article says what? No, PayPal isn't planning on fining users $2,500 for posting misinformation. So the average person doesn't read the entire article Ever. to see what's being said. They only read the top. But as you go lower, you'll see who. Let me read the top. Hang on. I want to read this whole thing so the audience sees it. Here's what you should know about a since-deleted document supposedly outlining changes to the platform user agreement. Go a little lower. Supposedly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In October 22nd, a document of providing advanced notice of changes to PayPal users noticing uh, uh, included a new rule about misinformation on the app, spurring news headlines and messages to Snopes asking what exactly the perpetrated uh, uh, change would mean. The document outlining PayPal's acceptable such-and-such such agreement, uh, uh, sending, posting, we just read that to you, and a $2,500 fine, we read that to you as well. Watch the however part, and then look what happens from there. However, users concerned about the uh, uh, purported, uh, how do you pronounce that Purported. Word? Purported. Change can relax. No such provision can relax. No such provision about misinformation is actually being added to the service user agreement, according to a PayPal spokesperson. In an email to Snopes, the spokesperson said the document didn't accurately reflect upcoming changes to the platform policies. So again, most people, 80% by that time when they read it, I told you it's fake, it's not really happening, they don't finish the entire article. An AUP notice for the U.S. recently went out in error. 
that included incorrect information. PayPal is not finding people for misinformation, and this language was never intended to be inserted in our policy. We're sorry for the confusion. What? This has caused. Pat, connect the dots for me. What is misinformation? I assume that has to do with what you know, well, social but, media, but, but think, Twitter, but Instagram, think about, but think about and PayPal. But yeah. think about exactly. There's. They That's got a, I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots. The here. whole question you yes. have to ask is. Why the timing now when it's exactly. four, three weeks away from what? What event is coming up? Exactly. So keep going. It's unknown if or to what ex extent other portions of the document were indeed upcoming changes to the plan. It's unknown. What do you mean it's unknown? It was publicly released. Additionally, we asked PayPal for an explanation of how and why the erroneous language about misinformation on the app was posted, but we received no reply. Okay, who's going to read all the way here? But we received no reply apart from the boilerplate statement quoted above, as of this writing, PayPal has deleted the entire document from its website. Uh, nonetheless, enough people had already seen it or heard of it, creating a social media campaign. Okay, so now watch this. David Marcus, it's hard for me to openly criticize a company I used to love and gave so much to, but PayPal's new AUP goes against everything I believe in. Mm -hmm. A private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. Insanity. FYI, do you know who that guy is? Who? He's the Marcus. former president of PayPal, and you know who else he is? Oh, wow. Hardcore liberal. Oh, He's wow. followed by all the main liberal folk. This is not a Republican. Mm -hmm. This is not a conservative. This is somebody that's on the left, okay, who said this. Then right below, Elon Musk says, agreed. Keep going. Kevin Jenkins, every company has a right to be woke, and I have the right to boycott these pathetic companies. PayPal account closed. Go to the next one. There's more, by the way, on the bottom. So now here's what I want you to do. Go to stock market, and let's look at PayPal stock, how it did on Monday. Oh, yeah, this is just Type in PayPal stock. Probably PayPal. Not so no, look, look uh, how much you have they to lost. You have to lost. see this. One day, they lost $5 billion wow. yesterday. Wow. Just so you know that. PayPal wow. lost $5 billion just yesterday. Not okay. the type of PR you, you know, need. Not you know why? And, you know why? Because they were spreading misinformation. And <laughs> FYI, here's what's crazy. <laughs> PayPal stock right now is what? $84, $84. give or take $84.52. You know what it was a year ago? What? $273. Oh, damn. From 273 to 8452. So when I posted this on Twitter, a guy commented and he said, "You know, this is the problem with capitalism. You guys have such a hard time with you know people who this companies who decide to do this kind of stuff. Who cares if they want to take this position? You don't have any." And I said, well, "I said, here's what I said. I said you're right. Mm -hmm. You are right. They get to do this." But the audience of Disney, when Disney went woke, yeah, what happened? the stock mm -hmm. dropped 25%. However, when Nike defended Colin Kaepernick and signed him, you know what happened to Nike the uh, next week? Stock it blew up. Blew up. In so, a good way. So In a good way. The point being, we're going to find out. It may be a good move for PayPal. The next day we found out it was a bad yeah. move costing $5 billion. Mm -hmm. So... What are your thoughts? When you see something so, like this, Jedediah, what do you think about this? Interesting comment you made, because a lot of people will say things like that. They'll say, oh, if you're a capitalist, then these businesses have a choice to, to, to do these things. And I think that people, when, when people hear that, they think of like a mom and pop shop. Oh, it's a small business. They make a decision. Okay. That's not what's going on anymore. When we talk about the system, we're talking about these big companies that are holding hands with each other, holding hands oftentimes with big government, holding hands with big institutions like Big Pharma. They're all together. So this isn't just like PayPal is some small company over here or Disney some small company over here. No, these are big established companies, large, Facebook, Twitter, 
PayPal, YouTube, whatever it may be, they all Mm -hmm. get a top-down message from the top, Mm -hmm. from the system, often holding hands with big government establishments, often holding hands with Big Pharma, because Big Pharma, let's face it, funds a lot of these media organizations, often holding hands with big media, that means network television, to disseminate a certain message. So this isn't just like, oh, it's a little company over here doing what it wants. You can still hold the position that it's a private company and they're entitled to do what they want and look what happened, PayPal tank, but you need to understand that there's a larger thing going on here and these people are holding hands and there is one message that gets disseminated from the top and then they all trail it out and all you need to look at everyone is look at all of the wars that were waged on misinformation and i say that in quotes over the last two years all those people got blacklisted they got suspended they got pushed off social media and oftentimes what they were saying actually wound up being true so just understand that there's a bigger paradigm going on here than just a little business saying oh i'm going to make my own decisions it's much bigger than yeah jet somebody Somebody in the Democratic Party was like, listen, it's November's right around the corner. We got to make this. So interesting choice of words, wasn't it, that the uh, the lady was saying there is because she was saying they're holding hands. Another and they're, you know, working together and they're working together to ban people that often turned to tell the truth. So when you read between those lines, it's an interesting thing that they're working together to stop people telling the truth there is another word for that isn't there conspiracy and it's interesting that this show would take that point of view as just a you know yes this is standard and there are other people that chime in afterwards and you can watch the video for yourself i think there's a swear word in there as well so i've stopped it uh, at that point because i like to keep this show clean but it's interesting that an otherwise mainstream show i'm not certain um i just listened to the guy's interview so i'm not certain about their political persuasions or ideologies or anything like that but interesting that they would all take that you know they're all in it together to deplatform people who often turn out to be true kind of line and say it so easily now then this is from the guardian now and it says scientists rush to create vaccine for world's biggest animal disease outbreak tackling african swine fever which has led to death of more than 100 million pigs since 2018 has proved a tougher challenge than scientists first thought uh, animals farmed is supported by open philanthropy philanthropy uh, that's the sponsor for the article And this is by Ashifa Kassam in Madrid. Tucked between motorways in the west of the city, the drab brick building belonged to Madrid's... Oh, you can go read it for yourself. This is the front line of the EU's battle against another, albeit lesser-known, global pandemic, the highly infectious African swine fever, which has swept through dozens of countries, forcing farms to cull millions of animals. Moving on to the Daily Mail now. Interest costs on UK's 2.45 trillion debt mounting soar to new record 7.7 billion. That's uh, just the interest, the 7.7 billion. In September, as Chancellor Jeremy Hunt desperately looks for spending cuts to ease market turmoil in budget. But will the new PM block his plans? Uh, this is obviously from 21st of October um, and it's 0728, uh, the new PM. I, I presume they're talking about this is yeah today. So 
will they be talking about the PM that is to come? I'm not sure. So um, let's scroll down there. I wonder if anyone's going to be mentioning perhaps we could cut the money to uh, fund the war in Ukraine or any other sort of military spending and spend money on life rather than death. I wonder if anyone from the Daily Mail will say anything like that. Let's have a look. So this is by Samuk Tilek. Oh, going to the worst rated and best rated. This is best rated. Uh, this is from someone from Bangkok, Thailand. The country is bankrupt and it was intended. Up 405, down 12. So it would seem that other people on the Daily Mail think that this was intentional and people worked hand in hand to do it, to quote the podcast previously. Next down, it is up 298, down 7. The government already take more than half our money. How did they get us into this mess? They did it up the wall. So that's someone that doesn't think that it's a hand in hand job. They think it's incompetence. Let's now get on to worst rated. Down 27, up 20. So eh, roughly 50-50, roughly. Will this impact an increase on my benefits? Uh, Zyra Mohammed, Manchester. No, next one down. Up 5, down 24. Boris will fix this. He's on the side of the people, not the billionaire banking clique. <laughs> oh, I do apologise for laughing at that one. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Now, on to Reuters now. October 20th. US CDC advisors approve adding COVID shots to vaccine schedules. The US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Advisory Committee on Vaccines on Thursday approved adding COVID-19 vaccines to the agency's recommended immunization schedules for both children and adults. The CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices voted unanimously to add the vaccines to the schedules, which contain recommendations to physicians on which shots their parents should receive and when. Now then, I'm sure it's got nothing to do with this article from the Daily Mail from a week or so ago on the 12th of October. Revealed PR firm that represents Pfizer and Moderna also sits on CDC vaccine division, sparking major conflict of interest concerns. Weber Shandrick is helping run communications around the vaccine programme, but the PR group is already working for Moderna and has worked for Pfizer. Critics slammed the CDC's hire today as irresponsible, it was revealed. as by Luke Andrews. Oh, it goes on to say, New York-based firm Weber Shandrick has been responsible for elevating Pfizer's profile since at least 2006. Um, so you, you get the idea, I think, from all of that from the headline there. Um, it's almost as if that podcast is saying people were working hand-in-hand. Hand. Had, um, had a point. Let's move down to the best rated and worst rated. Best rated, up 380, down zero. Oh, and I just want to check the comments below have not been moderated. Up 380, down zero. I don't think I've ever seen down zero before. I'm really trying hard to think, but I don't think I have. So let's read it, shall we? 
One day, a true history of this pandemic will be written. How accurate it will be, I cannot say. We should all be aware that we have been subjected to misinformation, disinformation and outright lies by our governments and other agencies. At least some of that will be exposed. This will reflect poorly on various governments, administrations, NGOs and especially organisations like the WHO and NIH. Well, I can see why it had no downvotes. Let's go to the next one. Up 287, down 2. Where in the hell was the reporting like this two years ago? All of a sudden, now it is reported about the conflicts of interest, the fact that they knew that the vaccines would not prevent spreading. Ah. Moving on. Up five, down 36. Oh well, simply providing science-based support. Next one. Up 18, down 2. Yes, you've heard that correctly. So <laughs> even the worst rated are quite, um, you know, positive, shall we say. And it's just got trust the science dot dot dot. So, hmm, interesting one, that one. Moving on. Uh, this is from the Conservatives, uh, com. Esther McVeigh has stepped up pressure on government to compensate care workers across Tatton given the sack for choosing not to be vaccinated. The renewed call from the Tatton MP comes after it was confirmed the need for mandatory vaccinations for NHS staff and care workers will officially be dropped from March the 15th. Uh, and that was Wednesday the 2nd of March. So Miss McVeigh said, Dropping the no jab, no job policy was the right thing to do and I am glad government listened. I was against this from the start and did not believe anyone should be forced to take a vaccine if they did not want to. However, we must do something to compensate the care workers who have suffered because of this policy. And uh, Esther McVeigh is not the only Conservative Party MP that uh, was speaking out against various uh, policies that... The, their party had made. This is Sir Charles Walker. Um, he is the MP that I believe, judging from the appearance and the videos, that spoke out against the old woman being bundled back into the back of the van for peacefully protest during Covid and I played that clip on this show. Here he is again speaking in the Houses of Parliament. I, I absolutely, unlike some members in this chamber, have, have no time for those people that, that block roads, throw soup, make a general nuisance of themselves. But having said that, having said that, serious disruption prevention orders are not the answer. They leave me absolutely cold. In fact, I go as far as to say they are appalling, absolutely appalling, because there are plenty there are plenty of existing laws that can be utilised to deal with people who specialise in making other people's lives miserable. I thank the Minister for his intervention because I'm now warming to my task here uh, to, 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 to nail a stake through the heart of this nonsense that we're debating. Because let's be absolutely, it is absolute nonsense, Minister. The idea that in this country we're going to ankle tag someone who has not been convicted in a court of law. 
I warned during the COVID lockdowns when we banned protest that we would get to this point. That once the government, politicians were emboldened with placing restrictions on a right and turning it into a freedom, they would not stop. This is not what the Conservative Party does. We believe in proportionate laws, like we used to believe in sound money. So I will be voting against this. I will be joining with honourable members across the House to vote against this piece of legislation. No. Why can't we have him in the Conservative Party leader race? An interesting question. So now let's go to Ron Paul. He was a presidential candidate in 2008 and I believe he was either a senator or a congressman, I think, and one of the real original libertarian Republicans. And uh, his son, of course, is Rand Paul. Yeah, forgive me, I can't remember whether he was a congressman or senator, but they used to call him Dr. No because he always used to vote no on any laws and that were anywhere near going against the Constitution. So he has a show called The Liberty Report on YouTube and here he is talking about the Tulsi Gabbard situation. Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to The Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Very well. Thank good, you. Good. Good. Interesting well, day. Yeah, it is. You know, we talk a lot about the war, but we're going to talk about a domestic war going on now yeah. in, in the Democratic Party. But it's a political war. But uh, it's not like uh, they're, they have a monopoly on that. The whole system is at war with themselves. But it was interesting because, you know, uh, we have worked with, identified with, and talked with uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, and uh, she made a big announcement. She got big headlines, and she'll be talked about today and maybe next week, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Tulsi, who was a Democratic Congresswoman and uh, was there a couple terms, but then uh, I think she might have had enough. But uh, she, she was obviously very different. Everybody knew that on her philosophy that uh, she didn't sound like the typical Democrat. She sounded like somebody that was just uh, telling the truth as, as she knew it in the, in the best manner possible. Uh, so we all suspected that, how long is this going to last? But she's been out of Congress for a bit now, and, and she is talented and very capable. So her next step her new, is a big step. And uh, she decided uh, to chuck the Democratic Party yeah. and leave the Democratic Party. And I imagine they're pretty unhappy because she does have, uh, for not having been a famous vice president or somebody uh, that is, uh, you, know, you know, into regular politics, she was well known and, and respected. So her leaving the party, that's one thing. A lot of people get disgusted and say, I'm quitting this, I'm leaving, I'm not going to be in the party any longer, and they walk away. But she left with a message. She left the party with a message. And that, of course, is important, and that's what people will read. Why, why would they do it? Uh, you know, I sort of did something like this at one time. I, I got disgusted, you, you know, with the way that Republicans were going. I still do get disgusted yeah. <laughs> with it. Yeah, but at, at least I made that effort and, uh, and uh, worked with another party, uh, the Libertarian Party. But she, she did a good statement. Uh, she has a video, and she also has... Uh, uh, I put a written statement out, and it gives us some pretty good information. And uh, uh, I was fascinated with that, but I went in there in the first paragraph or two, all of a sudden, 
wow, yeah. she has a, a, a lot of interest, and uh, we knew that because we've had discussions with her on foreign policy. Uh, she has so many views that are similar to ours, and she's sick of it all, and she believes the Democratic Party has lost their way, and, and their, their, uh, their policies uh, could lead in the direction of you know, chaos and nuclear war and the whole works. But she was unhappy with other things, too. And uh, so it's a good statement, and she certainly stood on principle. She is not, you know, uh, doing this and say, well, what, what is it for me to give my next step? I have to sort of lay out a new platform yeah. and this sort of thing. She just talked about her old platform, what she believed in. And I'm sure she was a believer in these ideas when she went to Congress. And so she's been talking this way. But it is interesting. And uh, it uh, tells you something about uh, if she is absolutely right, and most of her most of her uh, complaints about the Democratic, they are right. And uh, it, it's a frustration that you, you know a lot of Republicans feel with Republican parties. They you, you know there's the fake Republicans and the real Republicans and conservative Republicans. It, it's ongoing. But uh, to me, this is this is pretty pretty neat thing that she's doing. It's going to call attention you know, to the foreign policy. It is going to be a call and attention to the Democrats and what's going to happen here. But the big thing is the foreign policy because, you know, one thing that we have to realize, let's say that her ideas on foreign policy prevails, then guess where the opposition will come from? It'll be more than the Democratic Party. It's going to be, uh, you know, the war party. That's a great point. You know, I was thinking about who suffers most. First of all, Tulsi Gabbard is an absolute powerhouse. She's a great speaker. She's very magnetic. She has a magnetic personality. She has a broad, broad group of support from across ideological spectrum. She has, I think, able to bring people together in a way that we haven't seen since your campaigns for president. Um, people will say things about, well, I don't love, you know, libertarians will say, well, she's maybe a little wrong on economics, but gosh, she's awfully good over here on civil liberties. And so, you know, you see this kind of broad appeal. So when she stands up and says something like this, everyone pays attention. And I was thinking on the first, you know, the obvious conclusion is, wow, this is going to really hurt the Democratic Party because she absolutely blasted them. And we're going to listen to a little segment of what she said in a second. She absolutely blasted them out of the water. But literally everything that she said about the Democratic Party could also be said for the old line mainstream of the Republican Party. So rethinking the whole thing, I think she's equally damaging to the Republicans. In short, I think what she says exposes the whole system for its corrupt, rotten, rotten underpinnings. It's the rotten peers that it sits on. And I think that's very, very powerful. And that's why I think we're talking about it today, because I think it is a big shift. But let's go ahead and listen to what she has today. Let's play those the first 44 seconds is her bill of particulars against the Democrat Party, that first video clip, if we can cue that up and get that going. Here we go. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith 
and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness. <laughs> that is a machine gun. Boy, I'll tell you, and that's the big issues going on. You know, it's uh, people who would like to seek the truth, but all they get is the garbage. And uh, all they can do, recognize that people recognize their enemies and they can say, well, the Republicans can say, well, it's the Democrats. They do this and this and this. And they may be right on one issue, but they don't look at the bigger picture. And of course, how often have I brought up the subject about the uh, too much bipartisanship? Yeah. They're, they're endorsing same basic principles, although there's a lot of fighting going on. But the fighting isn't on the principles. The fighting is on political power. Who's going to make the money right now? You know, is who who's who who can you believe? And uh, who's making the most money? And and. and and when they when they talk about corruption in the Democratic Party, they they compare it to corruption in the Republican Party, and and, and emphasizing you know this whole thing about the uh, uh, criminality, how they how they dispense justice, which is totally unfair, yeah. and their weapons, and uh, and yet yet this partisanship is a is a is a big deal because it is the divvying up of, of the loot. And the power that they steal from the people, but uh, it, it is really uh, superficial uh, th that when they start talking about, uh, you know, there are some people. Uh, uh, Tulsi mentioned so positively about the importance of the Constitution, and you know, you've heard me say that. Doesn't it make me sick that people that uh, I know they don't give one hoot about the Constitution get up and they're so sincere and uh, and you know and, and one thing I learned about campaigning on the trail when you ask questions especially young people they recognize uh, better than some others who's telling the truth some people want to believe what the Republicans want or want to believe what the Democrats say and therefore you know uh, they, they don't want to take it on and I know how they feel about that but who wants to take on you know the group that you are part of but that doesn't mean you should go along with it without criticizing it yeah and she has not been afraid of criticizing her own party in the past and I just wrote down a couple of things that we should remember that she's done now remember when Russia went into Syria and started blasting ISIS and al-Qaeda who had been supported by the U.S., Tulsi uh, praised that. She said, pretty good idea getting rid of ISIS and al-Qaeda. They're bad guys. Everyone kind of knows that or should. And Hillary called her a Russian asset for daring to say that Russia actually did a good thing in Syria. They did us all a favor by getting rid of terrorists. Uh, but but uh, Tulsi sued Hillary for saying that, which is great. She wasn't <laughs> afraid. Um, she spoke at CPAC, uh, the conservative uh, group, and she talked about unity um, she went on, I think she went to Syria with Denis Kucinich, I, I remember that. Uh, they went together to, to Syria a while ago. And then she went on Tucker Carlson to blast the FBI raid of Trump's house. And I think, in fact, she was one of the first Democrats that met Trump in the White House. If you, do you remember back then? Mm. So she's shown a history of not being afraid to jump across party lines uh, to do what she considers to be the right thing. So I think this might be... The, the rational next step for her. The question is, 
how does it shake up American politics? You know, and that's what we were kind of thinking about off camera. What is what might this mean? She obviously is saying this because she has some interest in a future political career. Otherwise, she wouldn't bother. She'd she'd be back surfing, right? Probably what she enjoys doing most. But she obviously has some sights on the future as a politician. So the question is, what does it mean now that she's done this? Yes, and, and you know we've had great sympathy and respect for her, and uh, she was on the program, our program here, when she was running as a presidential candidate. But uh, I always would seek out, uh, when I was an elected official, would be the people in the progressive realm where yeah. where you could work with them and trying to come together. And the truth is, I've always thought, you know, because we still are you know, close friends with Tulsi, and, uh, and we visit and on each other's programs, and uh, for, for uh, b building a coalition is what we need. If you say, we want a new party, that's a bigger hurdle. But if you build a coalition, uh, you, you know, pe people understand that better, and I think she, she can talk to progressive Democrats yeah. and, uh, and coming together, and uh, it's... Uh, and like I said in my opening statement, she may end up with the greatest resistance if this policy prevails because I wasn't, I wasn't exactly cheered on when I uh, was campaigning by conservative, yeah. uh, conservative Republicans. Matter of fact, that antagonized them the most. And a lot of people come up, Ron, I like this and I like you don't want to spend all this money. But they never said, quit spending money in, in Ukraine or yeah, someplace yeah. like that. But I hope that comes, and I and uh, somebody like uh, Tulsi will certainly contribute. I think in a very positive way. And my first thoughts were that okay, well, this is great. This does not make her a good fit in the Republican Party for the most part, even though there are some young Republicans. Apologies, there. I was queuing up the next video, and uh, it decided to just play automatically. Apologies foreign policy. So let's hope the next generation is coming up. But it's not an obvious for the Republican Party because even the Republicans who are against this whole Russia-Ukraine business, we shouldn't be focusing on that because we have to take on China. You know, there's a lot of that. So, so there is an obvious nexus with the Libertarian Party. I don't know if that's where she wants to go. But if you look at some of her positions and even her past progressivism, it's not incompatible. In fact, I would suggest if it weren't for these stupid labels, it's actually very compatible with something like what the Mises Institute, what Ron Paul was, has been saying and would have said in the campaigns, that if you are, are concerned about poor people, well, who continues to keep people poor? Well, it's the Fed. Um, who, was, who facilitates the, the wars? Well, it's the Fed. So if she focuses like you were able to do after the 08 campaign when you brought all the so-called minor parties together and agreed that this, this whole thing is brought together by debt, by spending, by the Federal Reserve. If you care about poor people, you have to care about how the Fed stomps on poor people's necks constantly. You say that so well. <laughs> I've been around the best. I've been around the best. I can't add. I can't add to that. But she should be able to do that too. I think. I mean, I could. You know, maybe in a year, speaking at a Mises conference. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. Uh, very good. No, this is uh, this is interesting. Interesting news. And so that's where I'll leave that now. Next story here from the Guardian. BBC prepares secret scripts for possible use in winter blackouts. This is by Severin Cowell and Jim Walterson on Tuesday 18th of October. Exclusive. Scripts set out how corporation will reassure public in event of major power loss. The BBC has prepared secret scripts that could be read on air if energy shortages cause blackouts or the loss of gas supply this winter. The script seen by the Guardian 
set out how the corporation would reassure the public in the event of a major loss of power, causes mobile phone networks, internet access, banking systems or traffic lights to fail across England, Wales and Scotland. Northern Ireland would be unaffected because its electricity grid is shared with the Republic of Ireland. The public would be advised to use car radios or battery-powered receivers to listen to emergency broadcasts on FM and long-wave frequencies usually reserved for Radio 2 and Radio 4. One draft BBC script warns that the blackout could last for up to two days, with hospitals and police placed under extreme pressure. Next now from GB News, Bird Flu Prevention Zone declared across Britain as cases rise. From midday on Monday, it will be a legal requirement for all bird keepers in Britain to follow strict measures to protect flocks from bird flu. This is by Ben Chapman on Monday 17th of October. An avian flu prevention zone has been declared across Great Britain in the rise of rising cases, numbers as the country battles the largest ever outbreak of the disease. From midday on Monday, it will be a legal requirement for all bird keepers in Britain to follow strict, uh, just repeating themselves here, um, including keeping free-range birds in fenced areas and stringent biosecurity for staff on farms. The move by the Chief Veterinary Officers of England, Wales and Scotland comes following an increase in the number of cases of avian flu being detected in wild birds and commercial premises in recent weeks. Now, this was the video that I was going to... Cl- uh, well... I'd opened it up, I was expecting it to just read it out, but I didn't know it had a video contained within it. So let's. this is by foxnews.com. Have a quick check of the time. Yeah, we've got time for a little quick video here. So I'll read out the headline. Joe Biden was aware and potentially involved in Sun Hunter's crony business dealing, whistleblowers. Whistleblower documents reveal the FBI has in its possession volume, voluminous evidence. Lots of volumes of evidence related to Hunter Biden's potentially criminal business dealings by Bryony Harilly and Brooke Singman. And just getting a date for you. Published 17th of October. Let's have a listen to the video. Ah, that's handy. When I didn't want it to play, it played. Now I want it to play, it's not playing. Let's try again, shall we? Nope, still not happening. <laughs> the video is playing in picture. Oh, have we got something? There we are. Sam to you and Sandra. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum, and we are pouring over a brand new story right now, a bombshell that just dropped from the Washington Post moments ago. Federal agents who are probing Hunter Biden believe that they have enough evidence to charge the president's son with tax crimes and a false statement surrounding a gun purchase. Remember, this investigation has been going on for four years now. His overseas business dealings were the initial focus, or at least what got the most attention, but now it would be up to the U.S. attorney in Delaware, who was appointed by former President Trump, that's David Weiss, to file actual charges in this case. Brett Baer is standing by here in New York. First to correspondent David Spunt at the Justice Department with the latest on this. Hi, David. Hi, Martha. A significant development. Hunter Biden, the 52-year-old son of President Joe Biden, may face charges after all. This coming in an exclusive report from the Washington Post. We are calling our sources right now to try to find out what we can about this story. But it's interesting because the Post says tax crimes, plural, with an S, and a false statement related to a gun purchase. 
As you know, Hunter Biden has not been charged with a crime. David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, in Wilmington, Delaware, has quite a task ahead of him deciding whether or not to indict a sitting president's son. The question, what would Hunter Biden be indicted on? Now, we know that President Joe Biden kept David Weiss on the payroll as a U.S. attorney when he came into the Oval Office in January of 2021 to uh, avoid any types of conflict of interest. But ultimately, Martha, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, these are characters that are being briefed on the Hunter Biden investigation. Uh, we reported on Fox News just about a month and a half ago that the grand jury looking into potential charges uh, for Hunter Biden ended its term over the summer. It's possible uh, that prosecutors went back to a new grand jury to bring uh, more information to a grand jury to try to get charges, or it's possible what the Washington Post at this point uh, is, is reporting is based off of that original grand jury. We've heard about this laptop. We know that the FBI began investigating Hunter Biden uh, back in 2018. Uh, Tony Bobolinsky was on Tucker Carlson a couple days ago, a couple nights ago, a former business partner of, partner of Hunter Biden. So ultimately, it's up to the Department of Justice, not the FBI, to make a decision on charging Hunter Biden. And I will end with this, Martha. The DOJ has a, I want to say it's not a written rule, it, it's, but to not charge someone before an election if it's a politically sensitive matter. Hunter Biden's not on the ballot, uh, but his father's the president of the United States. So we'll see what happens here. This coming from the Washington Post right now, and we will continue to make calls, Martha. Okay, uh, we appreciate that. Well, that's where I'll leave Beyond the News here. Thanks for joining us here this week.